0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum and is titled, A Case of CTAF, What to Do. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Hello, my name is Rich Channock. I'm professor of medicine at UCLA Medical Center, co-director of the pulmonary vascular disease program there. And today I'm going to present a very interesting case of... Cur- Chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension, or CTEF. And I'm going to ask you, what would you do in this case? So we have a 56-year-old woman who was short of breath for a couple years. She did give the history of a pulmonary embolism four years prior and was also found to be uh, positive for anti antibody. There was no DVT found at that time. The patient was maintained on an oral anticoagulant um, and... um, Never gotten better, so she was still short of breath, um, wasn't seeing any real improvement in her exercise capacity. Um, And more recently, she started to note bilateral leg swelling, started on furosemide, a diuretic. Um, At that time, an echo was reported to show significant pulmonary hypertension, and the patient was empirically started on sildenafil, but that led to no real change in any of her symptoms, and so that was discontinued. When we saw her uh, in our clinic, um, these are her vital signs with a heart rate in the 80s, good blood pressure, O2 saturation normal at 96%, no jugular venous distension, and a heart exam was significant for signs of pulmonary hypertension, along with a tricuspid regurgitation murmur and trace pedal edema. So this is her x-ray, and I think what you can see here is pretty normal-looking uh, lung fields. Um maybe a little hyperlucent, uh, and the heart looks a little bit large um, and looks like some right ventricular enlargement. But, you know, somewhat unremarkable chest X-ray. So because of the history, we got an echocardiogram, and you can see here a little snippet of that, clearly showing an enlarged, markedly enlarged right ventricle and right atrium with paradoxical motion of the septum and a, a reduced right ventricular function. The estimated... Right ventricular systolic pressure is 84, so very elevated. So this is what looks like significant pulmonary hypertension. So we have a lady who has a history of a PE, persistent shortness of breath, now for a few years, who has um, an echo, very suggestive of pulmonary hypertension. What would you do next? What would you order next? Would you get a VQ scan, a CT angiogram, pulmonary function tests, or a stress test? So think about which option you would pick. Um, I think my opinion is that the best test to get next would be a VQ scan. And the reason for that is that this patient, certainly we have a high suspicion of CTEF, and really the best screening test for CTEF is a ventilation perfusion scan. And you can see here that scan. I can tell you that in reality the patient actually had an outside facility had had a CT pulmonary angiogram performed um, already, and that was reported to show no pulmonary emboli. But as you can tell, and this is a very good example of the CT angiogram missing chronic pulmonary emboli, because this perfusion scan is not normal. And you can see there are really bilateral defects, perfusion defects. Some are smaller, more at the seg- sub-segmental or small-segmental level, but clearly an abnormal perfusion scan, very suggestive of chronic thromboembolic disease. The patient then went on to a definitive confirmatory test as per all protocols, which showed the following findings. And as you can see here, there are several abnormalities noted with bands across several upper lobe vessels, absent flow to the left upper lobe, um, diminished flow to both lower lobes with missing vessels. So these are some of the classic signs of CTEF. And you can see on this slide, the hemodynamics were quite abnormal and consistent with significant pulmonary arterial hyper, pulmonary hypertension. I should say, with a mean of 52 and a pulmonary vascular resistance that's markedly elevated and a very reduced uh, cardiac index of 1.3. Right atrial pressure is elevated. So this patient's in right heart failure. I don't think anybody would argue that, and she has some signs of chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension. Now, I should say that when we looked at this, this angiogram, I was a little bit worried. And the reason why I was worried is because those pressures are so high and that PVR so high, but a, lo- a fair number of the lesions look kind of distal, like they may be at the limits of accessibility. I-, I did want to show you the lateral view, which was a little more reassuring. And you can see on this lateral view, uh, several of those lower low branches are just stopped. But there's also does appear to be some distal disease as well. So this is a, a, a borderline case, I would say. So what I would first ask you is, is she a surgical candidate? You know, based on those hemodynamics and that angiogram and that history, would you offer this patient surgery, a pulmonary endarterectomy? What about treating her medically with medical pH therapy in the preoperative setting? And what about alternative procedures like balloon pulmonary angioplasty? Those are your options. So with that in mind, I just wanted to show you very quickly the treatment algorithm for a CTF. So I think, as we've alluded to, patient has to be properly diagnosed with the disease. There's then an operability assessment. Is this disease accessible? Is it operable both from a point of view of the anatomic location as well as things like comorbidities? And if it's not operable, then there's a role for medical therapy and possibly balloon pulmonary angioplasty. So this is an algorithm that we go through all the time with patients as we're working up for CTEF. So let me tell you what we did. As I mentioned, these, these lesions, some were surgically accessible, but they're pretty borderline. So we offered her a pulmonary thrombinarterectomy, but gave her a higher estimated mortality Severe pulmonary hypertension, very high PVR, with borderline accessible disease. We gave her a higher mortality risk. So this was going to be a risky operation. She decided to go through surgery and had segmental disease removed. So no big surprises at surgery. Um, What we call type 3 or level 3 disease was removed bilaterally. Postoperatively, we... Measure hemodynamics, and her right atrial pressure was eight. Her pulmonary artery pressure was 64 over 22. That gave her a mean of 36. So, not normal. Um, Still somewhat elevated, but certainly reduced markedly from preoperatively. Notably, her cardiac output and cardiac index were significantly improved compared to what we saw preoperatively. So, that's where we're at. The patient recovered from surgery relatively uneventfully, um, and was able to be discharged. But we have a patient who still has pulmonary hypertension despite getting a pulmonary thromboid arterectomy, and we need to ask ourselves, what more can we do for this patient? What more should we do for this patient? So my question to you is, would you offer this patient medical therapy postoperatively for persistent pulmonary hypertension If so, what medication would you use? What about balloon pulmonary angioplasty after surgery if there's still lesions present? Or would you just sort of sit tight and give the patient more time to recover, reassess, let's say, four to six months before making a decision about use of medical therapy? Um, So what we did, um, again, make your decision, is we got the patient out of the hospital. She was feeling actually quite a bit better probably due to the fact she was no longer in right heart failure. She was put on warfarin, as we typically do for patients after endarterectomy. And in fact, her pre-discharge perfusion scan confirmed that there had been a benefit from the surgery. She had improved flow to both lower lobes, and she had what we call stolen from the left upper lobe. So the flow left the left upper lobe to some degree and went to the newly opened areas. Two months afterwards, we reassessed. So we didn't start anything immediately. Reassessed at two months. She was better, clearly, than before surgery, but was not back to normal. She described significant exercise limitation that prevented her from doing the things she wanted to be doing. We repeated an echo at that time, and you can see the results. Mild to moderate RV enlargement, RVSP of 62, millimeters of mercury by estimate, and a tapsy mildly reduced to 1.6. We repeated a VQ scan at that point to see were there any new defects or large defects. And it really wasn't a change at all from her early postoperative scan. So no sign that she was reclotting, something we rarely see, actually. So I think we're still dealing with pulmonary hypertension. We confirmed that with a right arc cath that I'm showing you here, which showed pretty substantial precapillary pulmonary hypertension with a PA mean of 48, a wedge pressure of 10, and a cardiac index mildly reduced to 2.3. That gave her a PVR of 8.2 wood units. So, you know, she still has significant pulmonary hypertension, still symptom-limited. So what would you do? Would you send her for a balloon angioplasty, say, well, let's see if there are any lesions to open up, and open them up? Would you say, well, this is the best we're going to do, and you're going to have to, quote, live with it? Or would you start the patient on targeted medical therapy for residual pulmonary hypertension. Those are their options. Those were our options. What did we do? So our thought process was, based on residual pulmonary hypertension, no evidence for new pulmonary emboli, and we felt comfortable that the the surgeon had gotten out, what was there. We decided to treat this patient with medical therapy, targeted medical therapy for persistent pulmonary hypertension after an endarterectomy. Now, I, I, I should say that some of these patients, we may be able to do, a pulmonary angioplasty on residual lesions, although I I do have to acknowledge that that's still in the learning phase. And and doing balloon pulmonary angioplasty after a pulmonary endarterectomy is not being done that frequently, and you really would want to convince yourself that there are discrete lesions. But I think the role of medical therapy in these patients is pretty clear and and pretty well proven. Uh, And, in fact, in this particular patient, she got better. So she improved her clinical status Functional class improved from a 3 to a 2. Her echo showed improvement in the right ventricular function. Still not normal. Still not normal. But uh, we're considering additional medications for this patient for her residual pulmonary hypertension. But I think this is a good example of a patient who was a high-risk case based on the preoperative relationship between the hemodynamic severity and the radiographic burden of disease. Severe pulmonary hypertension, and borderline accessible disease. The assessment of operability remains a subjective exercise, I have to acknowledge. Um, It clearly should be done by those experienced in evaluating and making those decisions, a a true CTEF team. The role of bridging medical therapy in high-risk patients, which we alluded to and considered, really hasn't been proven. Needs careful investigation and certainly should not delay uh, surgical intervention. and There's some data that it may, in fact, delay. So uh, be very careful about trying medical therapy before surgery. No clear proof that that's beneficial. And I think maybe most importantly, careful follow-up assessment in a patient like this after surgery is really critical because a significant number of these patients may have some residual pulmonary hypertension. A patient like this, we could almost predict she was going to have some given how, borderline accessible her disease was, and really have a a, a low threshold for treating a patient, for evaluating a patient for residual pulmonary hypertension, and giving them appropriate medical therapy as we did in this particular patient. So those are your take-home messages, and I hope you found this case interesting. Thank you for your attention. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative.